going to be going through the book of Ephesians. And so as we begin, um, Paul's prayer in this first chapter is a prayer of God's wisdom and revelation that the people of God would have. And so let me, let me pray that for us. So Father, would you open our eyes, hearts, and minds to your wisdom and revelation of Jesus Christ, the more of Jesus. Reveal your great truths, power, and love to us, God, not only in knowledge, God, but, but in a reality and experience of engaging you. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, we need you. And so we call upon you as we have uh, prayers and we know that people have done generation beyond generation and you have been faithful to hear their cries. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. So um, the majority of us have something like this in your pocket, right? You know, your phone of that. I, I, I have an iPhone. And ever since, you know, computers have been coming out and iPhones have been coming out, there's all these interesting statistics, right? And I'm sure you may have heard this one. The speed and the computing power within your iPhone, I think it was even like number five, has more speed and power in it than the computing power that took the Apollo 11 to land these astronauts on the moon. Right? I mean, if you remember, so here they are. uh, 99% of us believe this happened. Uh, There's a few who don't. So, right, like they had these, they, they, they had a lot of power, right, and the Apollo 11 was landed on the moon. You use your computer like, what, 1,300 times less processing power than your iPhone 5? That's really interesting. So, this is my phone. I use it for solitaire. Um, taking pictures of my food. Finding directions to friends' homes, right, you know, uh, it was made for more, right? More than what I, it has more capability than what I'm using. Uh, I have a buddy who has a Hummer, right? He drives it back from Royal Oak into Royal Oak <laughs> on the treacherous potholes of our city. They're super cool, but they were made for something way more than commuter driving, Right? Like that, what they were designed for and built for was a terrain that could handle uh, um, any environment into moving resources and, and armies and, and the things like to tow, tons and tons of things. At most any store, you can buy an Arctic coat. Right? And these, these are amazing. Um, this is an Arctic coat that I found online. I was researching the best Arctic coats. And this was a one that was encouraged. It's called the Montaigne. And as I was looking up the Montaigne, there was a review for it of a person who just bought this in March. And, and here was their review. This is an amazing review for it. Now, in the review, they say, hey, I already bought this mammoth coat. This was a very nice coat that they bought. Um, one thing, a supremely 
over-the-top alpine jacket. Even though living in Dallas, Texas, there's probably no need for it. <laughs> this is their review. Living in Dallas, Texas, I have no need, but I need an alpine jacket. They already have one, right? Then saw this Montaigne DP on sale on a website, and I thought I would give it a try. Wow! I could have been more happier with the decision I made. This coat was a third of the price of the one I've already bought for $600, and this one was on sale for $200. Not to mention it has an 800 plus downfill compared to the one that I have it has 850 and it's just as warm. How amazing. That was made for more than Dallas, Texas 40 degree nights, right? And so maybe you've done the same. And when you're going to buy something, you're going to go for the extreme for just in case, right? That it was made for more. You want the commercial stove, right? Even though you heat up leftovers. Um, you have all the gadgets, the instant pots, and yet you use it to make rice or to shred your chicken, right? You know, but, but they were made for more. They were made for more. And so today we want to start a series and remind us of something even greater that when we take a look at Jesus, Jesus is so much more than we can even fathom or understand. In the book of Ephesians, it opens up and it begins to try to explain the moreness of Jesus. But then at the end of the letter, at the end of this chapter, it says this, Jesus is more and the church was made for way much more than potentially how it's living and functioning within the world. And so in this series, we were, we're going to go through the book of Ephesians, and we're going to show about how, yes, Jesus is more, and that we were made for more. Through destiny and calling and good work that God has prepared for us, we are made for more as we are carriers of the Holy Spirit, and that we actually are filled with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, Suck that in for a second. Breathe that in. Consider that. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. We're made for more. We are equipped with all of these gifts to raise us into the fullness of Jesus and to maturity. We were poured into of love so this love could overflow through us. Letting us know about who we are and the freedom to live. We were made for more. We were made to take the opportunities that God has given us at this time, in this place, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our school districts, among all of our circumstances. And make the most of the moments we have as God is breathing through us his love. And we were made for more as we'll get into Ephesians 6 about saying, yes, there is an enemy. And yes, there is one who wants to stop us. But we were designed to to, uh, in order to stand firm among this oppression with the armor, the community that God has brought around us. We were made for more to withstand and to engage and to illuminate the awesome mysteries that Jesus is more. And so I want to do this. Now this is not meant to make anybody feel guilty. Right? To have a weight. It's really meant to breathe a pride in you, to awaken us to our destiny and our calling. In the same way that a parent would grab their child and one would speak words of life into them and say, oh, I, I encourage you so strongly. I push you the way that I do because I know 
you. You have so much more for the world. You were created and all of your gifts and your intelligence, your love, you, are, you can handle this. And not only that, I'm going to be with you and support you and encourage you and be alongside of you. So if you stumble, I'm going to pick you up and encourage you. But you are made for more. I pray you would hear the voice of your Father reminding us of how we were designed, what we were designed for. And that we could be, begin to dream about our present very differently. You're made for more. So Ephesians, let's look at this text. And you got a one-pager with this. Um, these are tools that are um, helpful for your small group. But they are also uh, are going to be helpful um, for today. And so we're just going to use the front side of that one. If you had the sheet of the Made for More materials and there's some blanks, you want to fill them in or make some notes there, you can. Um, but this is what you'll be going over in your small groups. And then the back side is taking the conversation further. So we're glad that you're with us in this. Ephesians 1, it starts off and it's continuing to talk about this reality that Jesus is more. And, if you, and you're going to read the whole chapter and you can read the whole chapter. But the first 14 verses of Ephesians 1 are this beautiful symphony of praise to Jesus. That he is more. In this text, it talks about how you were called and you were chosen before the, before the world was even formed. That you were adopted into his family, this beautiful language. And not only that, it begins to talk about this beautiful price of Jesus' death on the cross. Which brings the forgiveness of all your sins and that you're his. It's the symphony of praise to Jesus. And then in verse 15, it goes into the strategic prayer that Paul then prays for the church. But it illuminates this begin message that Jesus is more. And we're going to emphasize today, really, I'm going to go back and forth between the chapter. But here's the big text that we're going to stay on, land on, and dig in. It's Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23. So let me read this to you. And this is in the midst of Paul's prayer. And it said, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now the first part of this text is what I want us to look at. And this is the first sentence. God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything. For the church. God appointed Jesus to have authority to be over everything. And if you read earlier into the text, it's going to say that he's over everything. He has dominion over everything. Now the part of this text has this, has this very um, strong picture where it says that everything is placed under the feet of Jesus is another way of saying this. Right? That Jesus, everything is under his feet. And this has the picture maybe of a conqueror. Um, who conquers a, a people? Wow! Who conquers a people, and all of a sudden, as they as they conquer them, the king who they conquered, his neck is underneath their foot. Right? I could demonstrate with someone, but that might be over the top. Everything is under Jesus's feet. Everything, systems, powers, the world, all creation. Jesus is above it all, over it all. This is this reality. Now, but that's the wrong picture of Jesus. When did Jesus ever 
step over someone as he's conquered them or over them, place his foot on their neck as a way of saying, look who's in charge. Look who has authority. Even in his life, as he came here, he was like, I have authority. I could call a whole legion of angels right now to my side. And he said that when he was being tried. And even when he was crucified, they were like, come on down, Jesus. Get off that cross if you're the son of God. And he could have. On earth, he said, I have the authority to forgive sins. I have the authority to, right? He has the authority of God. But in his resurrection, all authority was his. But never has he lorded over people and placed his foot on their neck, even though it's under his feet. Now, Jesus' feet are different. His feet have the nails that were pierced in them. If you're placed under Jesus' feet, that's what you're going to see. Right? The nail that was pierced between his shin bone in order to bring the forgiveness of sin. This is the kind of feet of the one who comes and says, all is under my feet. I have authority over everything. It's not a feat of domination. It's a feat of love. How bl- the psalm says, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. Right? The good news of what? The good news that you can be made right with God, right? The good news that your sins are not held against you because Jesus would take them upon himself. This good news that you can be reconciled and that all the parts of creation that have been distorted and broken and dismantled and messed up, me and you alike, can be recreated, reborn, by the breath of God in us. That's the feet of Jesus which is over all. See, Jesus, when he says he has the authority over all, he's just not coming to oppress. He's coming to make things new. He's coming to make things right. He's coming to restore things the way they were originally intended. And that will happen in its completion. But when Jesus lived... And when his followers came under his love and his rule, they began to move into this new world. This world where Jesus was over all and in all. And his love and his message was spreading into the world. Jesus is more. And so one of the first moves that we need to do, and we're trying to do, is to illuminate this mystery of Jesus being more. More than an escape plan for some weird teachings of being afraid of hell. More than the best life. But no, he is more. He is the one who is adopting us and calling us and giving a future inheritance. This is the more that Ephesians talks about in the beginning of this text. It's talking about a beautiful more of a God who loved us and chose us to be holy and blameless. The more of how he has adopted us into his family a more that he is rich in kindness and grace and he purchased our freedom with blood, the blood of Jesus, and forgave our sins. Jesus is more. He's more. And we want to stay there and we're reminded of that place. This is the text where Ephesians starts. Everything is under his feet. All things are placed under his feet and appointed him to be head over the church. Jesus is more. So when you think about this, about Jesus being over, sovereign over all, Lord of all, uh, not everything has to bend the knee to that. 
So I would say this, Jesus is over you, right? In the same way that Jesus, when, when he talked about his father, he said, I only do what my father's doing when I hear him doing. And, and for those of us who claim Christ, where he has bought us with his blood and he's resurrecting us, the scriptures say, you're not your own. Your body is his. You were his. He paid a price for you. But yet we can still choose not to come under his authority, his rule, his instruction. We can choose not to allow him to be the more who is guiding and directing and illuminating our path. We can allow our hearts not to be increasingly aware of how more Jesus is, right? And Jesus is head over the church of all of God's people. And because Jesus is head over the church, that doesn't mean that every church is actually following what Jesus says their head, right? I mean, we know all the tragedies in the churches where they do crazy things, silly things, broken things, and same with the world. But yet we want to illuminate this reality. Jesus is more. And one of the first things we want to long for about this truth is for this to be our concern, to be obsessed with Jesus ever growing larger in our minds and in our hearts. Jesus growing larger in our hearts and minds. This was the prayer that Paul prayed for this people in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. This is at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Here's what I'm praying. Wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. That you may know him more. Because there is more to know about him and his revelation and his wisdom. Paul goes into detail about what that more is. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you. He called you towards a hope. I love this reality of hope, uh, this definition of hope. says that hope is this truth that love is in our future. Love is going to meet us. It's there. This hope for which we have been called, we've been called into love, to be empowered in love and to spread love, this hope. That you would know this hope more. That you know the riches of his glorious inheritance. You know, that inheritance word is one that's like passed down from children. That all that the parents have, right, are given to the children. This is, this is the way it worked then be, before people bequeathed their things to um, nonprofits or churches or organizations. They would bequeath it to their children. You would know the glorious inheritance that's being passed down upon you. There is more of what you are inheriting and have inherited. And then he says this, that you would know the power. The incredibly great power for us to believe. And then he says, that power is the power that raised Christ from the dead. There's more. So are you consumed with this reality of Jesus being more? Is that growing in your heart and your mind? Well, if not, let me pray for you, right? 
Let me pray that when you come, that your heart would ache to know more, that when you read the scriptures, that you would see Jesus and that would be illuminated and Jesus would become more. Then when you look at the world, you would see a God who's at work and moving and loving and calling people into his hope and increasing that inheritance for those who are being called in. And you would see the power of God which raises things from the dead. And so, Father, would you illuminate us with the more of Jesus? This is all about Jesus, who is more, who is king, who is risen from the dead, and who is at your right hand. Jesus is bigger. It's more. So, Father, pour your revelation and wisdom upon us to understand this more. Amen. Jesus is more. And the second part of this Ephesians part, Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23, is that if Jesus is more, then the church was made for more. And so here's, here's this part. I'll start again. So God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything and every way. So th- this, this gets to this whole idea of more. Jesus is head over the church, and the church is his body, the fullness of him. You were made for more. To, to be the expression of the fullness of Jesus in this world that fills everything and every place and everywhere and every way. See, only Jesus can fill everything and every place and every way, Right? Jesus is more, and the world needs Jesus to fill every nook and cranny of society. But you, the church, are his body, the fullness of him. You are made for more. We were designed and bought and forgiven to be, as we, the church, to be a carrier of his fullness in this world and to go into every nook and cranny of society with his fullness of his love. And to express it as he is already there. There is no place where Jesus is not already the king and the author and the authority of it. There is no place. Not the grocery store, not your work, regardless of where you work and the separation of church and state, right? There is no place where Jesus is not the authority. Nowhere where he is not actively moving and working in the lives of people. I was hearing some uh, news article on, on NPR about this move of the Church of Satan, right? And it's really kind of ridiculous. But Jesus is actually the authority over all of these things, even ridiculous things such as that. And, and there is no place where he is not moving in, breathing in, and longing for all to be made right under his power and authority and love. And he is not looking to oppress the people under that. No, he is looking to welcome them as as we can continue to look at the nail-pierced feet of Jesus. We were made for more. So this truth of Ephesians 22 and 23, when it talks about the church's potential, the church has unbelievable potential. The church to fill every nook and cranny of society as being carriers of Jesus. So if you got your sheet, here's where some of the blanks come into place. The first one is this. 
when we talk talking about church was made for more. The church is it's not a building when this being talked about in the scriptures. The church is a body. Right? That's what it says here in Ephesians. You're not a building. You are the body of Jesus. Moving, animated by the Spirit of God. One under the head of Jesus and the authority. It's not, it's not this framework, but it is a body that moves in and out and everywhere. The church is not an activity. It's an identity. Now again, we, we use that language interseparately and we say we go to church. And yet, no, you are the church. It's your identity as a beloved one of God, as a sent one of God. And so when I say things like the church was made for more, sometimes we limit that thinking to pictures like this. I got a picture, yeah, to, to, to our building, a beautiful, beautiful space. Uh, I, I have another picture of the last service that was conducted here before this sanctuary was built in 1966 or 65. 65. There was about a two-year process of building the sanctuary. Yeah. And so this was the last, this was the last service, right? Beautiful picture. But sometimes when you think of, maybe, now that's not bad, right? Well, how beautiful is that, right? How, how many seats can you, empty seats do you count, right? You're like, well, maybe two, three in that picture. Wow! But sometimes when we think of the church being made for more, that's all we can imagine. More people coming to a church service. But yeah, when we talk about being made for more, we're talking about a body of people that are being moved by the Spirit of God into every nook and cranny of society. The reality is, is there's only so many types of people who would ever step place into here. Whoever step place into a church. There's a pocket of people who will never step here because they say, if I step here, lightning's going to strike. And maybe that was you, right? There's other people who aren't going to step place either because of their cultural background. They were raised Hindu and Muslim or whatever it might be. And even stepping into a church should be a hard place. But yet, God is still longing to reveal himself to them. People aren't going to step here because they believe that Christians hate them. They're not going to step here because they have been so wounded and hurt by the body of Jesus who wasn't under the head of Jesus, who served himself and gave his life for them in love by going to a cross for them. So instead what they did is they came above people who weren't Christians and put their foot around their neck and said, hey, if you're going to be a Christian, here's how you live. And if you don't, we're going to force you to. Right? And and he experienced this kind of thing of like, no, you're actually under us. You're actually lower. You're less than because of the way you think or believe. And they've experienced that, and so they'll never step here. But yet God loves them. And many of these people are your friends and neighbors, co-workers, family members. Right? And the aim of the church being more is not like, oh, okay, so what's our five-method step in order to get them to come here for Friend Sunday? And you can give them a gift card or they can win a, a marmot jacket for Arctic weather? No, no. We're going to say, well, what's God doing to them? And what would it like, be like for you 
to express the fullness of Jesus in a pocket of people. You are the fullness. You, us, we are the fullness of Jesus. The same spirit, that, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. If there's not a text in this world, it doesn't make you think that you were made for more. Ponder that again. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. That resurrected a dead body is in us. And what do you think that spirit longs to do in you and through you in the world? What do you think it wants to, what do you think the spirit of God wants, longs for? Think it longs for more resurrections? Our own and the resurrections of people all around us? Absolutely. We were made for more. We were made for more. The church is not a building, it's a body. And I, and I love the building. I think we should use it and leverage it for all God's work, right? We're thankful for it. The church is not an activity, it's an identity. We are the sent ones of God. The church is not a program. It is the people of God, saved by the power of God for the purposes of God. The church is all the people of God. It's us. Church is all the people of God on everyday mission to fill everything, everywhere with the fullness of of Jesus. This is the more that we are called to do. This is what this series is about. The church is the people of God on everyday mission. Right? We are the fullness of God on everyday mission to fill everything, everywhere with the fullness of Jesus. This is the more that we are called to. And so what does it mean for us to be the fullness of Jesus? be his fullness. What that means is that the way that Jesus is going to show himself, to make himself present, manifest right here, the fullness that that he's going to manifest himself, he's going to show himself living and alive and present through his fullness, through his body, through us. He's going to do that as he resurrects us and moves us in what he's doing in the world. Into all the places where we live, work, serve, and play. God is making his kingdom tangible. This is how this good news of God's love gets proclaimed through his body. This is how loving communities get created. So we open up ourselves to our calling. May you hear this Jesus is more. But we as a church, we're made for more. One of our dreams in, the, in a 10-year process in the next eight years is that we would have a hundred of these missional communities spread out all through this city. And a missional community, where we were defining it, it has, it's not a program. It's just a people, it's a people coming together under the name of Jesus and stepping out to meet the needs and the hurt of a specific place, of a specific people. 
right? They're going to they're gonna love God as one people because they know of Jesus' love. They're going to love one another. And as God awakens them and opens their eyes, using their own gifts, using their story, using their place, their relationships, they're going to move those people to a specific need or people in order to be good news, to be the fullness of Jesus there. We long to see those lived out all over us. And, and it's already happening. But we want to awaken you to that reality. Many of you are already doing this. Just last, just last week, last Sunday, Barb Meyer. Barb Meyer was a long time, long time faithful member of this community here. I mean, there was a whole board that listed her life. I mean, I think her family was going here from the time she was born. She gave her life to Jesus at 10 years old here. Stayed here all of her life. And she lived here. She had to move away to Niles, Michigan a number of, a few years ago because of her health dwindled. And she went to live with her son James, who is, um, he's a funeral home director. And they, we did a little viewing on Friday and I got to come up and speak with James and Wendy and their kids, right? And just remember Barb. And James, he had the honor, right? How unique it would be to be like, hey, I'm going to prepare my mom for burial. And so as a family, we gathered her and we washed her. We bathed her and we put her favorite outfit on her. And he's like, and as her son, I filled out her death certificate. And on it, it has a list. What was her vocation? Now, Barb taught school in Royal Oak for like five years. The majority of others years, she was a homemaker. But Jim, he didn't feel comfortable writing those things down because that was not her vocation. He said, no, 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 I wrote missionary. Because that's what her vocation was. So one of our values is that everyone is a missionary. And Barb's was that. She was a missionary. He said when the riots in Detroit broke out in 1967, the National Guard is parked right over here on 8 Mile at the State Park. He said that Barb and her husband Tom and the kids loaded up in their station wagon, drove downtown with clothes to give them away in order to supply needs of people who needed them. What? As the exodus is going the other way, they're going the other way of saying, Jesus is there. Jesus isn't running from there. Jesus is Lord there in the midst of this chaos and the brutality and all the complex issues of our country. And they moved into it. As his family, moving on the mission of Jesus in order to be the fullness, the full expression of his life there. Beautiful. We have a picture of Barb. Yeah. There she is, a beautiful woman. Nate was sharing, I came up here last night as their group was doing this, and I have a picture of that bounce house, Nate. Um, so I came up here, right, that night, and so here's the sanctuary and a bounce house up here. And it, was, it was perfect, right? Um, Tina, I, I, don't, I, I think it was Tina when she knew, and most people you didn't even know that SOS was here and there was family staying here all week um, as part of a program in Oakland County that's helping families who... Um, they're working, right? They have IDs. They have families. Some have cars. They're just trying. They have no safety net, right? So they have no other place to go, but they're trying to get on their feet with stable housing in order to find it. And so SOS is a 90-day program that does that, and they partner with churches, and so that's what you're doing. And Tina was moved by saying there's 13 kids whose families have, have their safety net is no more. They don't have a safety SOS is becoming their safety net, and Tina was moved and saying, Nate, we got to do something. Let's throw a party. And so they gathered their missional community. 
He's like, Jesus is everywhere. He has authority over these families who feel like they're on the edge. And they're saying, you are not. And they came in here and they, they loved them. They loved on their kids in the name of Jesus. At last Saturday, I was with Chris and Jody Eland in their neighborhood. I actually have a picture of Chris. And, so here, here's this cool picture, right? So Chris, that, this is a picture we have out front. That's the little baby. You can see that's Nate's head. He was doing a baby dedication. And Chris is right there and a church is surrounding him. And then, I don't know which kid that is, Chris, of yours. That's Nate. That's, that's his second, right? So he's being dedicated, right? They're being dedicated as a family in this building. Beautiful thing coming around them. But, but this family, Chris and Jody, they bought a house in Southfield and, and there's a little park right there in the middle of it. And they're, all they're trying to do is saying, how can we, as small as we are, continue to build relationships with other Christians in our neighborhood and be good news to people in our neighborhood? How, how do we, how can we love people? How can we, we, we live there. Our kids are already going to be running around, making a mess, doing what they do in this neighborhood. But how can we be an expression? Because they are. They and the other Christians in that neighborhood are the fullness of Jesus. Well, what is God inviting them into? So last Saturday, they're, they're trying to figure out how they do this. And they invited, they had a coworker there with them and their family and a number of neighborhood kids. And they did an egg hunt right, on Saturday and invited their neighborhood to come to the egg hunt. There's tons of you who are thinking this way. We're trying to see, God, where are you at work? What needs are you going to show us? How can we step into them? Because you are Lord here in that neighborhood. Not because there's a church building, but because his fullness is present there through his people. That's what it looks like. You were made for more. I can point out, I know of the widow's group that's being formed here in the midst of your greatest pain, right? And that we, we, you know, with Tom and Bev and Sandy and Jenny and Denise, right? For those who have lost, right, out of your pain, you're coming together to encourage each other, to love each other. But they're not just doing that. If they have lost their spouses whom they loved, they also know that they're carriers of Jesus, And so their hope is to be able to encourage and to love and support other people who have lost spouses. And and even in their great pain, they're looking outside of themselves, saying, Jesus, where are you and whom do we love? It's awesome. We were made for more. You were made for more. There is more that God longs to do in and through you so that Jesus would fill every nook and cranny of society. Do you get it? Amen. Let me pray for you as you go. That's all we want you, that's what we wanted to know. But so here's the prayer. Here's my closing prayer. Jesus in John chapter 20, he has risen from the dead And he shows up for his disciples and he says this. Let me get it right. It's pretty simple. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father sent Jesus... As he sent him into this world, 
into the Galilee regions, into every nook and cranny of those Galilee regions, right? He was in a specific place with specific people, a specific calling with his gifts. He turned to his disciples and said, I send you. No, that, that same calling, that same sending is on you. He says, go in peace. I'm sending you. And then he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. He says, receive. Receive the comforter, the guide, the power. The one that lets you know your hope. The one who lets you know your inheritance. And lets you know the power that's worked within you. So let me send you with that same prayer as we go. Sound good, church? Would you stand up, please? Peace be with you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As the Father sent Jesus into this world, I send you. And I breathe and I say, come Holy Spirit, breathe upon your people. Church, breathe it in his breath of life. And as you exhale, may you go in his hope, in his glorious inheritance, and in his power. Amen. Go in peace.